Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to Taking Ship, a podcast about cultural politics, political culture, and why we're beginning to think that all those heroes who've saved us from our many and various apocalypses, your Buffies, your Avengers, and so forth, may not have been doing us any favors. I'm Frank Spring, joined as always by Ellie Jacobs, who also survived the sinking of the Pequod, but was written out of the story after a falling out with Ishmael. Hey, Ellie. Hey, Frank. Uh, as always, we want to thank all of our listeners for their comments, both positive and negative, and urge everyone to subscribe and rate us on iTunes and follow us at Twitter at, at @takingship, and that's ship with, P, with a P as in pugilistic. We're taking ship alone this week, not because we're unpopular, but because our mutual anthropophobia is riding high this week and we're fresh out of Clonopin. We're blaming it on something to do with the current proximity of Earth to Jupiter. Exactly. <clears throat> now, today is Cinco de Mayo, which commemorates Mexico's victory at the Battle of Puebla in 1862. Yeah, and now it also commemorates Donald Trump's tweet of himself eating a Trump Tower taco bowl proclaiming that he loves Hispanics. Now, there was a time when I thought, you know, it, it can't, I saw that and I thought, you know, it, it can't get much dumber than this. It just can't. How young we were. So the Battle of Puebla was not necessarily a strategically decisive victory. But it was a critical moment in establishing Mexico as an independent republic capable of standing on its own two feet. And, and of course, it was a powerful, a compelling, even a moving example of an experience that is critical to the development of so many nascent democracies in the Western Hemisphere. And by that, I mean, of course, victory over the French. But not just any victory over the French at that. Victory over the French after having welched on a debt to them. Yeah, a quick bit of history. The French, British, and Spanish combined to invade and seize the Mexican port of Veracruz because the young Mexican Republic, recently out of its own civil war, had suspended payments on its debts to the European powers. So the European powers basically planned to hold Veracruz hostage until the Mexican Republic paid them. But it became clear that the French wanted much more. Napoleon III, yes, the third one, wanted to establish a French puppet monarchy in Mexico. I mean, don't we all? But this whole thing began with an attempt by the French to collect on a debt. Which, funnily enough, is also how the United States of America ended up fighting the French as well. The French, the uh, the Royal French, uh, lent the American colonies a huge amount of money during the Revolutionary War, which turned out to have been a, a pretty sharp investment. Uh, but after the French Revolution, we took the position that uh, you know we we borrowed the money from the last guy and he's dead. So uh, you know some guys are lucky and some guys ain't. Uh, there was obviously a lot more to it than that. We were negotiating a trade deal with the Brits, uh, who didn't really want us giving money to the French for any reason. Uh, but nonetheless, the, the revolutionary French didn't quite see it that way. Uh, and we ended up fighting uh, what is the, referred to as the quasi-war uh, against the French because we just didn't feel like paying up. Yeah, key lesson here. The French are historically bad at collect, collecting monies owed to them. So, my friends, Mexico and America, family in arms against French debt collection, may it last a thousand years. Turning now to something a little bit more current, uh, you, all know, you all know what's coming here. Uh, healthcare. Trump care passes the House yesterday. A lot has been written, a lot's been said and tweeted, so much has been tweeted. A lot has been written, said, and tweeted about how bad this bill is, and it, it really is all of that and more, how shockingly, maliciously, stupefyingly evil this thing is, uh, morally twisted and intellectually grotesque beyond recognition. And that's not even to mention the absolute sheer hypocrisy of the GOP uh, on voting on a bill without a CBO score, 
that was agreed to late at night behind closed doors and left unread by the bulk, bulk of the conference. And the news media, especially CNN, uh, I know we were also shocked as hell that CNN is being criticized, has come in for criticism of covering this as pure political journalism. This quote, this is a victory for Trump and so on and so forth. Yeah, which, I mean, A, might not even be true at all, and, and, and we'll get to that. Uh, but, I mean, holy smokes, this is one of the most transparently vicious pieces of legislation in modern American history. Yeah, and according to the New York Times, we largely have Reince Priebus to thank for all that. Sure. So covering this as a victory for Trump is like extolling the virtues of the winning horse at a horse race uh, and only later noting that it accidentally careened through a crowd of children en route to victory. Uh, so, you know, the bill has been condemned. The bill has been condemned. A lot of the way the media has reported on it has been condemned. But we do want to talk about uh, what might be the, the oddest and, and maybe actually, and when this is saying a lot, maybe actually the sickest part of this whole thing. Yeah, so to remind folks who haven't recently watched Conjunction Junction, Trump Care is not actually now a law, um, despite how the news media has sort of been covering it. It does not go into effect. It is nothing more than a bill that passed the House chamber. So to remind you, now the bill passed the House, it goes to the Senate, where it will meet its doom. Majority Leader Oak McConnell has already stated very clearly that the Senate won't move forward on anything until the parliamentarian and CBO review the bill. Parliamentarian yeah. is not going to like this thing. And the CBO, if you thought the last score was bad, this one will be likely much, much worse. Absolutely. I mean, it, so so it'll be June before anything happens on this at the earliest. Oh, at the absolute earliest. Uh, in, in particular, it'll get it'll be pushed off even farther if they actually pick up taxes next. Um, Senator Graham and a whole host of other Republicans have said they're going to start from scratch. Um, only once the Senate agrees on a bill, going back to the conjunction junction issue. Only once the Senate agrees on a bill, passing it with 51 votes, and that's if only if they manage to keep it budget neutral because of the sticky requirements of the reconciliation process, which would allow them to, if for the bill not to be filibustered, meaning that they would need 60, which they will never get, then it goes to a conference with the House where they have to agree on everything, and then has to pass both the House and the Senate again. So we are a yeah. long way away from this Trump care disaster, debacle, disgusting representation of the Republican Party's desire to just rob people of uh, what I would consider basic human rights. Yes. Yeah, this this is a declaration of war on human dignity, uh, which is an impressive thing for a, a health care bill, frankly. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, so it's going to be a while before anything happens with this, if anything happens with this. There has been a theory in D.C. since Trump Care first came up that there is a Senate version of healthcare reform. That's a lot more reasonable than what the House has been working on, and that version is sitting in a drawer somewhere. Yeah, and I mean, I have I question whether or not there is actually something something sitting in a drawer anywhere. Uh, I mean, uh, we've said before on the podcast that it was remarkable that after seven years of uh, I don't know how many votes of denying funding to Obamacare, the Republican Party didn't have an agreed to bill ready to go on day one. Yeah, that was truly that that was arguably the finest legislative accomplishment I've ever I've ever seen is to somehow contrive to forget to generate a piece of legislation on your signature on your signature issue for seven years. I mean, yeah. it's 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 honestly breathtaking. It's like a, a riveting piece of performance art. You know, it's the thing you ran on and you're less like, uh, oh, yeah, that I kind of forgot. So, yeah. you know, the idea is the idea basically was let's get anything through the House. And then it goes to the Senate. The Senate will ignore it, do its own thing, create something that might actually a attract a few Democrats who are worried about their seats, likely lose some Republicans who aren't worried about their own. Then it goes back to the House and passes, and bingo, 
we have Trump Care. The problem is, amongst yeah, there, other things. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of problems. There's a couple of problems with this theory. Uh, and again, this whole notion is this thing was old. The House just had to pass something so the Senate could tear it up and pass their own thing, and we'd all, you know, would all work. There is more than a, to that theory, which again has been quite popular in D.C. for a while. There is more than a whiff of of a kind. There's more than a whiff of the the school of thought of Mitch McConnell is a genius who can see into the future line to this, and you you find this particularly amongst a certain kind of Democrat. Uh, in D.C., the idea that, you know, everything that Mitch McConnell, that everything that happens, Mitch McConnell has a hand in, that he is, you know, the canniest of the canniest political operators, uh, that he has a plan for everything and we're all just spiders trapped in his web. I will freely stipulate that McConnell is an extremely canny legislative operator. There is no mistake about that. Uh, but let us not overlook the fact that what has come out of the House on this thing is – I mean, it's a complete mess. Not, I mean, even leaving aside the, the true horrors of its of its provisions, uh, you know, what it is. I mean, the list of things, the way it defines pre-existing conditions. There's been a lot of coverage of this. Uh, honestly, it's almost too heartbreaking to go over. But you know, leaving aside the moral and and sort of intellectual outrage of all of that, uh, this bill is just a this bill is just a mess, and it will have to be mauled almost beyond recognition for it to even qualify to be passed via the reconciliation process. And again, as Ellie mentioned, that reconciliation process is essential because if it is not passed through re reconciliation, it has to go for a regular vote and would need 60 votes in order to, it needs 60 votes in order to override a Senate uh, filibuster. And if it does, if so, if it's not passed through reconciliation, Senate Dems can filibuster this thing into the moldy ass grave where it belongs and from which it should never have risen in the first place. Yeah, and on top of that, it's not even at all clear that anything that comes out of the Senate would actually pass the House. If we've learned nothing over the last few weeks is that there is a core group of members of the House who are, well, basically insane. And these people, you know, they can't be whipped into passing anything that isn't psychotically punitive and morally ghoulish. And that's, yeah. that's not what's going to pass the Senate. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I think what we may be seeing here, I guess what we're trying to, what, what we're sort of going for here is the first Trump care failed because it was unable to it, it, it failed because there was a portion of the Republican Party, the so-called Tuesday group, again so-called moderates, uh, who had expectations that the bill would not be psychotically punitive. But ultimately it failed because the so-called Freedom Caucus was not happy that it was thought it was insufficiently punitive, that it wasn't actually hard enough on you know who might be called the insured and the uninsured, basically regular Americans. Uh, and then, so the bill was made that much more punitive, that much tougher on, on regular Americans who need health insurance. Uh, and then the freedom caucus largely voted for it and it passed uh, on a very narrow vote indeed. So all of the problems that was revealed, all the problems that were revealed in that first failure of Trump care are about to get worse. It's entirely possible that house Republicans just put their names to this abomination for no purpose other than to say that they did it. Yeah. And there's a complete chance that Obamacare will be the law of the land this time next year and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that. And if the Democrats were smart, that they would start proposing some easy fixes that can attract attention and attract support in the Senate um, to sort of help this thing along the way. Um, but if the House Republicans that Frank just mentioned that just put their name on this abomination to get it off their desks, you know, they cost themselves 10 points on their next re-election and of course the loss of their immortal souls. This is going to take a very, very long time. And yesterday's frat party in the Rose Garden was so premature. It's basically like a guy planning his wedding to Cape Upton just because he bought the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue.
Yeah, it's. Do you remember the the college football national championship game between Florida and Ohio State? I mean, who could forget? Who could fair? forget it? Who could forget it? So, you know, during the long winter evenings, we talk of little else, really. Um, <laughs> but I think this was the uh, this is the 07 national championship between uh, Florida and the Ohio State University, uh, and the Ohio State opened uh, as the you know with the opening Ted Ginn ran the opening kickoff back for a touchdown for the Ohio State University. They were up seven to nothing. They were super pumped, understandably. Uh, and then Florida outscored them 41 to seven over the course of the rest of the game. This is like that if Ted Ginn had also died immediately after the run back and they were still celebrating. It's guys do you 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 know and, and here we're talking about and two congressional Republicans, you are getting way ahead of yourselves. Uh, something really terrible might be about to happen to you. Yeah, and with the rocky not music a moment too goddamn soon, and the the keg parties and and it it it, it was all just absurd. And, and and Donald Trump once again getting to you know brag about winning an election. It it, it was it, watching that that just circus on the Rose Garden yesterday was enough to almost make you want to guide gouge your eyes out, but also, you know, tear your ears out so that you didn't have to listen to any of it. So yes, although I didn't enjoy Trump declaring, reminding everyone that he's president yeah. a couple of times. because, Dude, this, this theory that this guy, uh, that the president may be suffering from some kind of cognitive decline. Yeah. But, oh boy, it's getting, oh, evidence is starting to pile up. Yeah, I mean, just the, the the level of insecurity and narcissism and just out of absolute out of touchness that leads him to talk about his margin of victory and remind people that he's so that he's a that he's the president and he won and they lost and he's sitting in the office and they're not. It really is. It makes you wonder if this is how he operated in New York real estate circles. Why he managed to build anything. And I think uh, you know, that, that re that's a really good question. And I, I can only sort of assume, first of all, uh, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why, why the structures around him would allow him to function in that environment, but not this one. You know, it's, it's too early to, to say we need, a, we need and unfortunately are going to get a lot more uh, material to observe here. But I, I get the impression, and this is what's really concerning, that this is getting worse that he's been strange and dotty ever since this process began, but he is getting stranger. Uh, and all, yeah. you know, and sort of, you know, I'm surprised, like, I'm surprised Andrew Jackson didn't make an appearance in the Rose Garden speech. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, could Andrew Jackson have passed the Trump care bill? I'm sure he could have. Apparently he could do anything, yeah. including after his death. Death was no obstacle to Andrew Jackson. Yeah. He, was, he was mad as hell about the Civil War more than a decade after he slipped this mortal coil. His rage was uncontained by the grave, Ellie. Yeah, and slavery had nothing to do with the Civil War whatsoever. That's exact. That, that's that. That's precisely it. Could it have been avoided if Trump had been there? I don't know. You know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What if Andrew Jackson and Donald Trump switched places? You know, what if the healthcare bill was replaced by a talking pizza? Jesus, I just had an image of Donald Trump on a twenty dollar bill for the rest of our lives, and that was kind of terrifying. oh god, no, no. Oh man, this is this is the thing about. This is the thing about the present state of affairs is that it lends itself to a kind of Lovecraftian madness. But yeah. to get back to healthcare, <laughs> sorry. Yes, Speaking of Lovecraftian madness, yeah. Uh, so if this bill's not going and going anywhere, and one of the big things, one of the other storylines that has really uh, crept up over the last couple of days is that uh, you know the Democrats were you know uh, uh, singing na 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 you know hey hey goodbye, 
on the I promised I would never sing on the, on this podcast, and I'm sticking to that uh, on the house <laughs> on the house floor, and that you know the 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 Republicans essentially uh, uh, conceded the house in the 20, 2018 elections. And my question is, is if if this bill isn't going to go anywhere, and if and when something comes out of the Senate, it is going to be much more palpable to to the population. How do the Dems plan on using this in 2018? It's a good question. Uh, if something comes out of this, there is there is nothing that could pass the Republican House and be executed, or that could pass the Republican Senate and be executed by the Republican House, be passed by the House and moved into execution by the administration that isn't going to deprive some people of coverage and drive up premiums for, for, for someone like yeah. there's, it's just not, it, it, it can't be made otherwise. Um, and especially when it's pretty clear based on what's been passed that, uh, the bill pursues a series of, of truly vicious social agendas, but it's primarily a giant tax cut. Yeah. Um, yeah. that's, that's, I mean, that's, it seems to me that's primarily the purpose of this to punish a few people, uh, you know, for, you know, things like punishing women for being women, for example, uh, well, that's really, their a, own fault. that's a great, sure. A growing pastime for, for that, for that party. Um, and, but mainly this is about, this is about a giant tax cut. So if we take that as the case, anything that is passed out of the Senate back down to the house that's passed and executed is going to drive up premiums for, for a large number of Americans uh, and will probably kick a large number of them off or will – essentially it's going to it, – or will do things like uh, restrict their pre-existing conditions. Oh, it's going to attack some part of, uh, of the Affordable Care Act that has actually been fairly popular. If anything is put into execution, Dems can hang that on, on Republicans of all stripes in 2018. Uh, and I suspect that the vote – and I suspect that even a being a Republican, a vote – against this bill might help a little bit, but it will not save them. What, what's more, and this is, but so that's one, that's one scenario. The other scenario that you raised, which I think is a, is a, is a, a more interesting question is what happens if this thing goes nowhere? How do you make, and, and I will say it is hard to make hay out of a bad vote for something that didn't happen. Right. Uh, much easier to make, make hay out of a, out of a bad vote for something that did happen. But even so, this bill is so shocking. There's stuff in there. And you've heard, you've heard a couple of congressmen come out this morning and say there were things in there that they didn't, that they voted for. They didn't have, they didn't know. And again, this idea that like, well, you know, the Congress, they, you know, they, they voted for a bill they hadn't read. That happens all the time. These things right. are giant pieces. I mean, you know, you're not going to read a thousand pages of legislation, but there is a. But I, there although are, I do but, appreciate the talking point that some Republicans were using that uh, they were all angry about uh, Obamacare was two thousand pages, with then six thousand pages of amendments or something like that, and they managed to get their bill on only six hundred pages. Yeah, that's exactly yes. That that's precisely it. We do, and 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 truthfully, like you know, the, the damage per page ratio was off the charts. Like these guys really are <laughs> experts at that. Credit where due. Um, but nonetheless, like there is stuff in here that is so psychotic that the attack ads really write themselves. We don't know what the CBO score is. Uh, you know, it, it, it may be that this thing comes back. Uh, it, you know, it may be that this thing comes back and, hey, it's not going to drive a bunch of people out of healthcare, and it's not going to raise premiums for people and it's not going to do all of these awful things. Uh, it may be that the battle will go to the weak and the race will go to the slow. Uh, but that is not the way that I would bet. Uh, and we saw a little bit of a precursor to this this morning, actually. I mean, it was yesterday. There was uh, uh, the the Secretary of Health, uh, Tom Price, was asked, you know, what what happens if, as is anticipated, uh, this bill drives up premiums on older Americans, the most reliable voters in the world, I might add, or at least in America. Now, what happens if this drives up premiums for older Americans? And Tom Price's answer was basically, well, someone's going to have to pay for health care. This is not the stuff of electoral success. No. 
No, it's not. I mean, the, so counterpoint is the election is uh, today's May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, as we mentioned. So election day 2018 is 550 days away. If this dies in the Senate, or if there ever is actually a final bill that is not quite as horrific as the current one, I mean, strategically, how do you keep this front of mind? It's a good question. There's going to be, you know, there's going to be tax reform that comes up. There could be a potential for infrastructure thing. So there's going to be a lot of stuff that the that Congress could potentially do, but in these next 550 days. Sure, that's there's sort of two things I think on that. The first is you're right. I mean, there there is a danger that this, like everything else in the Trump era, could get swamped by the next terrible thing and the next terrible thing after that, where there's just too much happening. So that could very that could very much that could uh, very that could there could just be too much. Or one or two of these big projects could become so all-consuming. Like there's there's sort of a general general rule, uh, you know, that you hear in uh, amongst people who are sort of concerned with federal legislation that if you think healthcare is hard, try tax reform. Um, so if we think this has been a mess, and God hasn't it just, uh, tax reform could be a complete catastrophe. And you know, a sort of a you know, a three-ring circus that has been mounted on a train that is now hurtling toward another train that has another three-ring circus on top of that as well. Like, there'll be, you know, flaming clowns and wreckage flying everywhere. Uh, so that's what we have to look forward to, I suspect, with tax reform if they attempt to take it on. Uh, I will say, so again, how do you keep this particular vote front and center? We might get some help from Republicans on that. Uh, what yeah, is true. very what is very clear is malice has won this round uh, but I wouldn't sleep on incompetence. Incompetence will be back. Incompetence, incompetence is down, but not out, Ellie. Uh, it'll all, this this vote, the healthcare thing, will almost certainly come up in some Republican primaries. Probably uh, there will be some uh, there'll be some Republicans challenged for not having voted for it. Uh, it's possible there'll be some Republicans challenged, among other things, for having voted for it, depending on the nature of the district and the political climate. Uh, but I could certainly see uh, some of the some of the uh, small number of Republicans who voted against it potentially getting a primary challenge. Uh, so that will keep this in the news. Uh, it is, it's I think you know I think that it's very possible that we we haven't we probably have not heard the last of healthcare. Uh, or this healthcare thing, even bef even regardless of what happens in June or July with this, but counting on the incompetence of your enemies is not a strategy. No, so not. in order to have no, it is not as much as it's a lot of fun and a wonderful and a, and a genuine and a genuine luxury. Right, and uh, and with this the, particular and, White House and this Republican Party, it's usually one you can count on, but nonetheless, oh, not a good strategy. That's a, no, it's it's a, it's a gift, and it's it's one that historically we have been happy to give Republicans from time to time. Uh, and so it's nice oh, to with enjoy still ourselves. keeping plenty of it in our own back pocket for our oh. own use. That's entirely, entirely right. Exactly. Look, incompetence is a strategic resource that must be husbanded and anticipated carefully. We have a strategic reserve of it that we deploy at key moments. Okay. Yeah, it's a quantity over quality sort of thing. Republicans are really sort of into the quantity of incompetence, and we're really into the quality of incompetence. <laughs> we are going to find really, really pick our moments. Yeah, we pick our moments. You know, like presidential elections. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, you know, there's yeah, exactly. You know, the, the you know the first attempted passage of the of the ACA. Oh yeah, no, we have we have we have our we definitely pick our moments. But we need our own strong. You know, assuming that we that we decide. You know, we're not going to count on the incompetence of our enemies, um, and we are we are going to we're going to move forward in some reasonable way. Uh, you mentioned this earlier. We need to we need a strong push on our own healthcare. Uh, some ACA fixes. You know. There is growing popularity for a the ACA, but also for single payer uh, and for other systems by different names. Medicare for all, increasing Medicare agents. We've talked about this in previous podcasts. Yeah, there was a Pew poll I think that just showed fifty-two uh, percent are in favor of a single payer, and forty-two percent of Republicans who make under thirty thousand dollars a year. And you know, 
I'm never a big fan of quoting numbers as a reason to do something, but certainly it's growing in popularity. Sure. What we're seeing is, you know, the, you know, the, the Overton window, as it's called, the, you know, the, the period in which a new idea has a shot at being, uh, has, has a shot at being accepted and, and put into practices appears to be opening. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's a bold statement for something as, as, as comparatively radical in American politics as single pair, but it looks like we're moving into the Overton window for single pair. And this is, uh, that, this is one of the reasons the that the Republicans you know. fought so hard to try to kill Obamacare for so long because McConnell, um, you know, going back to his sort of wise gnome, gnome man thing, his fear was that once this goes into place and sort of the mentality switches from, you're on your own on healthcare to the government should provide something and healthy people should help pay for sick people to be covered because that's in everybody's interest for that to happen. Once that sort of seeps into the mentality of the country, it's going to be really hard to back away from that edge. Absolutely. And, and this, yeah, the, the early fight was a desperation one. And this is an act, this is pretty clearly an act of desperation as well. Um, and what we are seeing, and this has been covered uh, since the discussion of repealing Obamacare really got going in earnest earlier this year is, you know, there's the phenomenon is called loss aversion uh, yep. that people are can be that you know you sort of people can be change resistant, but what they really don't like is the idea of losing something they have and count on, uh, and and from that position you have a position you have a place to build on. So Democrats, uh, you know, when we have a positive agenda to push, uh, we can push that in strong contrast to what's happened here, and I think that's one way to keep it on keep it on the agenda. The other thing is if this bill does in fact fail. Uh, keep throwing it in Trump's face. Uh, if there's one thing that we know, it's that, uh, you know, this guy isn't mentally tough enough to ignore being taunted with his own failures. Yeah. Or his small hands or weight. Sure. Yeah. So with or the that, size of his inauguration grad, the size of other things, I imagine, <laughs> uh, we're going to keep this episode a little short this week because, uh, next week, uh, we are going to go, uh, to places we have not gone before on this podcast and will likely be a very long episode. Um, so we're going to do our best to keep this one short and uh, we want to thank you all for listening and please, please remember to subscribe and rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at, at taking ship and that's ship with a P as in phony. And with that, Frank, where are we headed this week? We take ship this week to rock all to set up camp for the taking ship festival. That's ship with a Y, but we are in no way affiliated with the fire festival. Not at all. Tickets for this all-inclusive festival, held on an uninhabited rock in the North Atlantic, start at $25,000, including three meals a day of stale, no-frills cornflakes and condensed milk. Spend two transformative weekends, or more if a storm kicks up, clinging desperately to a wind-blasted mossy outcropping while you listen to such thinkfluencers as Ellie Jacobs and Frank Spring read New Yorker articles out loud and generally drone on and on. It's going to be awesome. Friends, we take ship now for Rock All. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.